It's the Sleepers and Bus episode. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis. This is it. This is our uh, final complete free episode. If you want to complete Lee, continue supporting the show and uh, listening to whole episodes, please join us at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. Uh, there you will get the entire episode and you will get very, very targeted, specific advice that you are going to ask us about. Consider this as your own personal podcast because we're going to be talking about anything you need for your team, even if it's just like, yo, here's my waiver wire. Here's my team. How can I make it better? No problem. Hey, here's my starting lineup. Who would you play this week? No problem. Hey, here's a trade. No problem. Hey, I'm trying to decide who I should play this person or this person, my flex. We'll talk about it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy. The patrons support the app. Download the app. It's free for a limited time. And another, we might be coming out with a new, uh, you know, declaration soon. And that the limited time might actually be limited time soon. All right. So get it now while you can. Everything you need is on there. The Fantasy Football Barbara app. But let's get into this episode. It's a very important episode. Drafts are going on right now. Sleepers and bus, baby. Tonight, yet another staggering heat. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. Well, I was uh, getting a little heat wave flashbacks, I think. Yeah, just a little bit of Nelly action. I mentioned on the last episode as I as I joined, am I joined? Oh, that's too much. I'm joined by Michael, of course, my bro. What's good, bro? What's up, Tim? Hat Hangers. Last time, if you missed it, check it out. Yeah, so uh, Hat Hangers was one guy, but we're going to be talking about different sleepers and busts this year, um, this week. We're going to be talking about our high-levels sleepers, our low-level sleepers, and our mid-level sleepers. Same and with busts. There's more. Yeah, and busts. And you're not only getting me, you're getting Michael, and you're getting Matt. So we're going to be talking about um, we're each going to be talking about how, what, six players, six times three, 18 players, 18 players on here today, sleepers and bus. So um, hang on tight. This is usually a pretty long episode. Uh, by the way, if you're watching on youtube.com slash Broto Fantasy, uh, Matt is going to be in some sort of uh, three dimensional warp. Uh, please uh, stay around for his his bars. He is not here today. Obviously, we haven't talked to him. He's on the uh, a road trip. Uh, so kudos to him. Hope he's being safe out there on the road. And. Yeah, we're gonna. He recorded in advance, so we're going to play those recordings um, by the Dynasty Don himself. So, with that being said, our next episode, by the way, uh, exclusively on Patreon. Although we, again, we will be dropping a news segment every week on the regular feed. Um, it's going to be this this uh, Thursday uh, that it will be released. It's going to be me and Santiago Casanova, the brains and the genius behind the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, and because Michael's not going to be here, he's going to be in Vegas for the FFPC opening weekend extravaganza. What do you guys call it? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, Michael, so those of you who don't know, Michael uh, actually works for the FFPC, and he's like, this guy lives, this guy's day job is fantasy football. He's living the dream for so many people. That's, that's, uh, kudos to you, Michael. Let's get a high five going here, man. You, you figured it out. You figured it out. High five. All right, so let's get into these hat hangers. 
with no with no more further ado. Uh, all right, you want to start high or low, Michael? Yeah, let's start high. You know, we always like to end on a sour note. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Brodo way. All right, we're gonna start with our high level. I don't know, like, so <laughs> I noticed that we had like my high levels and my mid levels. They're kind of the same, and my low levels. I basically a high level is a guy that you expect to be either in the like the top 12 or top 24, maybe even top 16 in his position. Um, that's going in the front rounds, maybe the first four rounds, first five rounds. And then in the middle, someone in the middle rounds and the low level, someone in the late rounds. All right. So we're not just giving you sleepers like guys that, you know, are long shots. We also just like guys we feel really good about. And with the bus, you know, it's kind of the inverse. So with that being said, why don't you start us off, Michael? Michael, why don't you start us off on a high note? Your first high-level sleeper. My first high-level sleeper, if you're watching on YouTube, you just saw his name pop up on the board, and that is Travis Etienne. Look, Travis Etienne, um, I discussed him a lot in the uh, Jaguars heatwave, if you didn't get the chance to listen to that. He reminds me of um, DeAndre Swift of the last couple of years where the guy you think could be CMC light if given the backfield to himself, but still not really given that full opportunity. It took until week seven of last year for Travis Etienne to get a snap share above 52%. Remember James Robinson was getting a bunch of work prior to that time before he ended up being cut. Michael hasty was mixing in beginning week seven, Travis Etienne saw over 70% of the snaps in all but two games. One, uh, he missed time with an injury and one was a blowout win where he compiled 140 yards and a touchdown Anyways, so beginning that week seven game, Travis Etienne produced four RB1 performances in 10 games. He also saw three or more targets in seven of the 10. He was very good, very efficient. Now he's going off the board at RB14 in round three. And this reminds me of the year where, uh, you know, Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones were going in round three, round four. Um, uh, some question marks around them those years. Are they going to get, you know, goal line work? Are they going to be as efficient if they get as much work? I think Travis Etienne has the ability to be an Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones type um, level and an Aaron Jones type talent in a very good offense that I expect to take a step up um, with Calvin Ridley. Now there too, Trevor Lawrence entering year three. I'm not a big, I, I don't think tank Bigsby is a real threat. Sure. He may still some goal on touchdowns, but you know, all NFL running backs have goal line touchdowns stolen from them every now and then. It's not enough for me to think Travis Etienne isn't worth a late third, early fourth round pick as his ADP states he is. I think that uh, Jaguars offense is just going to be very good this year. Take another step up and Travis Etienne another year with Trevor Lawrence, another year more comfortable in the system. Another year recovered from the injury, his rookie season where he was out the entire year. Um, so sign me up for some Travis Etienne. Love this season. I like it, Michael. Does it concern you at all? Like the narrative around him is that is he really a pass catcher? Was he just in a, a mediocre pass catcher in a good pass catching uh, situation in Clemson with a good quarterback that throws the throws like that? Um, what say you? What do you think? I think he's decent enough, right? Like you don't need to be a star pass catcher. You don't need to be Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler to be a very good fantasy running back. Like. He's good enough. All right. Let's get into mine. My first one. Oh, Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison. 
I'm going to tell you what. Last time we talked about Alexander Madison, you guys said something that I wish that I could. I, I always listen back to the the heat waves. And every time it's just like, oh, I wish I would have responded this way. Because, you know, when you're, the heat waves is a different type of podcast because our goal is to get the information to you in the most efficient way possible so that you have the most concise listening experience. That's obviously not what we're doing um, for these podcasts. Uh, that's why they run for an hour and a half sometimes. But um, <laughs> but I wish that because this is my logic. Look, Dalvin Cook last year was the 107, right? And many of the experts that will tell you that Alexander Madison is going, it, it should be a fifth round pick and to fade Alexander Madison. Those are the same guys that are telling you that running backs don't matter. And if running backs don't matter actually was the case, then there's no reason why you should not be drafting Alexander Madison at 107. Because he's going to have the same opportunity Dalvin Cook had last year. He's going to have, he's going to be playing behind almost the same offensive line, similar offensive line. Another year for Kirk Cousins, another year for Justin Jefferson, another year for their head coach, Kevin O'Connell. Who, by the way, I, I passed the house and the real estate agent's name was Kevin O'Connell today. So unless he's pulling, he might be pulling double duty. Um, when he does, now a lot of people will pull up the efficiency stats for Alexander Madison, but I will say this: when you look at those stats separate from each other, when he started and when he was just a change of pace back, the efficiency goes through the roof and the fantasy production goes through the roof. In the last two season seasons. Alexander Madison has finished as the RB6, 7, 8, 13, 8, and 4 in weeks that Cooks is inactive. 4. Come on, man. Like, this is a guy who's been a wide, like, has been Dalvin Cook level, maybe even better in some instances than Dalvin Cook when he gets that opportunity. There's no one on the Vikings depth chart. This is not a situation with Travis Etienne and Tank Bigsby. Ty Chandler had his shot. He didn't impress. Kenny Naganu didn't impress. Dwayne McBride, huh? Ha, ha, ha. It's all, it's all Madison. The team is in on him. Like, I don't want to... They let go of Dalvin Cook. And they also, they, they right away put Alexander Madison on their masthead. You know what I mean? They had no chance. They had no problem embracing Alexander Madison. No problem at all. And I think that's because they have trust in him. And I have trust in him. And you're getting a workhorse running back on a high-powered offense in the fifth round. And there's really no excuse for it. Because if you like Dalvin Cook at 107 this year, and if running backs truly don't matter, and you could put anyone in the system, they're going to have basically the same stats, then you should be drafting Alexander Madison 207. 305. No, but you're getting him in the end of the fourth, early fifth round right now, and he is an absolute steal there. When I almost cried when Jason stole him from me uh on the back turn of the fourth round in our draft this weekend. So I almost had it, I almost really cried. I almost shed a single tear. That's how much Shout I like out. Alexander Madison, and he is my high level sleeper this year. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, the more uh the closer it's gotten to draft day, the more I've um Liked and liked Alexander Madison, the Minnesota, the athletic reporter for the Vikings, 
literally said, don't underestimate how much the Vikings believe in Alexander Madison. Um, apparently, none of the running backs there, the Chai Chandlers and company, have really separated themselves even for the number two role. And like you said, um, he's always been able to step in for Dalvin Cook. We know this is going to be a, a high-scoring offense. His ADP, like all the people who are fading Alexander Madison is – He's never even reached 600 rushing yards in his career because he's been a backup. All right, yeah, you know who else was a, a backup? Uh, Tony Pollard was a backup. Austin Eckler was a UDFA. Michael Turner, like, like even going back, like when they used yeah. to, th- this this succession plan used to be a lot more uh, common in the NFL where they would groom backs behind the lead back the way they used to do with quarterbacks as well. They used to do that. So then, that like, was a grooming. Even, there was a grooming system in place like that. Even players who are less talented than those guys, like James Conner. Le'Veon Bell got injured. James Conner stepped in and was an RB1 the entire season. That wasn't injured. That was actually uh, his the the holdout year. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He was out is all I meant to say. So, so, I mean, yeah, I like Alexander Madison a lot at ADP now. And I remember people were drafting Le'Veon Bell, you know, and then they were drafting James Conner in like the ninth, tenth round. It's like, yo, this doesn't make much sense. And I just think that this doesn't make much sense. It, you know, my hat hanger was Kyle Pitts, but it was between Alexander Madison and Kyle Pitts. It was going to be either one of them for the sleeper or one of them for the hat hanger. And I just went Pitts, but it could have easily been Alexander Madison. I love him. And I need some Alexander Madison. Like, I'm going to make it a point to be drafting him in a couple of these drafts that I have coming up because I right now I don't have any shares on my redraft teams, and I'm furious. I need some Alexander Madison on my redraft teams. Um, Michael, we're going to get into Matt's next. So his high-level sleeper. Again, you know, just a warning for those of you who may be sensitive to this kind of stuff. It's going to look like a double, I don't know, like a like a Twilight Zone kind of thing, like a double screen. So bear with us with that one if you're watching on YouTube. But listen to Matt spit these bars. What up again? It's your boy, Psych Ward FF, and boy, do I have a high-level sleeper for you. A guy that's floating in that, you know, top 30 range of ADP, top 36 range of ADP, but I think could legitimately be a league winner and a top six producer in points per game. And that's Lions rookie running back, Jameer Gibbs. Only four. Only four running backs in NFL history have been selected in the top 20 with multiple collegiate seasons that have a receiving market share above 10%. That's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Reggie Bush, and my boy Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has more than double the collegiate market share of all three players listed above in his best season at 21.7%. And he also surpassed the 10.0% receiving market share mark twice, once as a true freshman. The other guys above had only ever done it one time. All three of Barkley, Bush, and McCaffrey had at least a 20% target share and 40% rushing share in their rookie seasons. Oh, and all of them finished as top 12 running backs in point per game. Only two running backs in NFL history have been selected in the first round to have at least 10% market share of their team's receiving yards in college at all and that was chris johnson christian mccaffrey both of whom finished as rb1s in the rookie season sorry before turning 19 so as true freshmen both of those guys finished as rb1s in their rookie season the lowest point per game total of any rookie running back drafted in the top 12 since 2010 is rb12 at 14.3 points per game the rookie running backs selected in the top 12 since 2010 are saquon barkley 
24 points per game, RB3. Ezekiel Elliott, 21.7 points per game, RB3. Leonard Fournette, 17.7 points per game, RB7. Trent Richardson, 16.6 points per game, RB7. Todd Gurley, 15.7 points per game, RB9. And again, Christian McCaffrey, 14.3 points per game is the RB12. Those six running backs in question, drafted in the top 12 since 2010, have combined to average 18.2 PPR points per game with a ceiling of 24 points per game in their rookie season. The presence of an ineffective plodding thumper like David Montgomery does nothing to deter me from selecting Gibbs at ADP, especially considering Monty couldn't even stop Khalil Herbert from ascending and taking his lunch money. So Gibbs' ceiling is sky high in his first year with the Lions. And that's a high-level high-level sleeper that everybody should have an eye on. It's you know if Bijan Robinson didn't exist, Jameer Gibbs I feel like would be going higher this year than he is right now. He's also light for a running back. He just maybe just reaches two hundred pounds. So I think those two things are what's keeping Jamar Jameer Gibbs where he's at. But I mean, I'm not mad at picking him where he's going right now. So I'm I I know Matt is all over him. It could, uh, I don't know, it could end up coming back to get me, but I have not really drafted any Jameer Gibbs at all. The guy is small, as you mentioned, and he, he's never even had a 50% rushing share in any collegiate season. I know he's a very good receiver, but the Lions just gave DeMont a bunch of money. The Lions have Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think their offense is as good as some people think it is. I just, I don't really see the huge upside at someone who's already being drafted as a top 15 running back um, before even stepping foot on the football field without, without like, uh, like Bijan Robinson dominated in all facets of the game last year. You could say the same about Jameer Gibbs, but uh, Bijan Robinson at least was getting almost every single carry for the team. I just find it strange that Jameer Gibbs has never even put up a single 50% plus, um, you know, rushing share season. So we'll see. All right, let's go into our bus, our high-level bus. I will say this. Uh, our high-level bus are a bit of a mess. <laughs> uh, M- Michael and Matt both agreed on their high-level bus, but Michael has transitioned to a second one, but they both agreed on the same guy. So let's start with Matt here. I know we just had Matt. We're going to start with Matt because this is, the, um, this is the one that is not a little bit of a, of a shit show can – a little bit because my my I'm gonna tell you right now off the bat mine was Jonathan Taylor. Now the news of Jonathan Taylor getting put on the pup happened today about four hours ago. The pup who calls it the pup? Whatever man. All right, he he, he got put on the pup, not getting traded. He's gonna miss the first four games, so obviously he's a high level bust. Um, but I have someone else kind of in the wings. Um, but Matt is the one that he, none of his plans went awry. <laughs> so let's go to Matt's high level bust the dynasty dawn is back again and this time i'm flipping the script with a high level bust and i know you guys have heard me talk about him multiple times so i don't want to sound like a broken record for too long but i have to bring it up there's no way i'm drafting Najee harris ever at any league at any point in time never have i been on the draft board this season staring the top 25 ADP of a player that averaged 13.9 points per game as the RB19 and needed a league-leading opportunity share as a rookie to finish as the RB7 in points per game and felt like it was the right decision. 
Last season, Najee Harris ranked 63rd in fantasy points per opportunity, 62nd in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. That's just like 63rd in fantasy points per opportunity, 62nd in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns. He needs to rank ahead of 62 other running backs in opportunity share for him to be a viable running back is basically what that's saying. 30th in yards per reception, 28th in yards per route, 52nd in yards per touch. And this is why you saw him have 90 targets in a rookie season and still not be able to break 500 receiving yards. 19th in total yards created, 51st in breakaway run percentage, showing you again that he's got no burst at all left and he's also almost 26 years old. He had only three games as an RB1 last season. He finished as the RB2 12 rb3 and rb9 in those games so even his best weeks were low level rb1 finishes with one week winning type performance in that rb3 finish eight finishes outside of the top 24 running backs in 2022 four finishes outside of the top 30 running backs in 2022 and two finishes outside of the top 40 running backs in 2022 i've long been out on Najee harris and never has that once come back to bite me even in his rookie season i am expecting yet another middling rb2 season with his ceiling being a very low end rb1 and an rb10 25th overall even that is above what I predict his projected ceiling to be. I refuse to pay RB1 prices for a ceiling that will likely never be met again in his Harris's career. So I'm out on Najee Harris now, forever, for always. He is a bust. All right, Michael, I know you had similar thoughts about Najee Harris, so why don't you go first and oh yeah, and, the then, guys, and, then and then I'll tell you guys why you're wrong after. The lack of efficiency is uh is wild. Um his ADP is now in like the third or fourth round in other leagues. I still haven't touched him in any of those leagues. I have no interest in a super efficient running back on a very questionable offense, even if he might get volume. The second half of last year, he lost a bunch of passing work mainly to Jalen Warren, and Jalen Warren did not look bad with those touches. Like I don't think this is a a 350-plus touch season again for Najee Harris, and he's just way too inefficient for me to draft and i just don't really like him at all all right so here's why i'm going to disagree with you guys a little bit now i think that if this was last year this was the year before and Najee harris is going in the first round of your fantasy drafts that you guys are right on the money i would not touch Najee harris with a 10-foot pole this year everything you guys are saying is baked into his adp Uh, if you can get him at the top of the fourth round you can get him in the fourth round. Like, and I'm just gonna be transparent with you. I just did that in my draft. Like, I had no, I had no intentions of drafting any Najee Harris in any of my drafts. But I went with three wide receivers in the beginning. This is how the cookie crumbled. And Najee Harris was there in the fourth round. I scooped him up because that's a value to me. Because there's a couple of things that you need to know about Najee Harris. Number one, the last two seasons, he does have a little bit of excuses because he was prolific. When he was in Alabama, but the last two seasons, he played behind one of the worst O-lines in the league, especially two years ago. PFF rated the worst O-line in the league, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into the season. Then last year, a bottom half O-line. This year, they add uh, the guard from the the Hawaii, the Samoan guard from the Eagles, who's a major upgrade. They spent a the 13th overall pick on a left tackle who all signs have pointed to him being a good player in the early going. And they're making those strides along the offensive line. The quarterbacks that he was playing with was the ghost of Big Ben, who if you remember Big Ben in his last year, he would just do three-step dropbacks and throw a quick slant. There was literally no threat of a deep play ever. And that 
resulted in stacked boxes. Then last year, you had Mitch Trubisky and you had Kenny Pickett who threw a whopping four total touchdowns to wide receivers last year. Total. There was no threat deep. So safeties and have been stacking the box against Najee Harris for years behind a terrible O-line. And his efficiency might be down, but his numbers were like, you know, yards before tackle, the, those are also down too because of the O-line play. So there is a chance that Najee Harris takes a little step up this year. But with that being said, all that you guys said is baked into his ADP. Yeah, I don't agree with anything you're saying. Like, I, I Not that I don't agree with it. I just don't care. He's just not a good running back. And at some point, the NFL realizes when you're not a very good running back. Sure, but is it going to be this year? Like Jalen Warren? Jalen Warren is... He's not special. I I just think Najee Harris is going to see 300 touches this year. I think there's no doubt about that. Doubt doubt about it that he's going to see 300 touches. And if you're seeing 300 touches, whether they're efficient or not, they're going to result in. If you want touches. Najee Harris, just draft James Conner in round seven and nope. use your third or fourth round pick on someone else. Come on, man! You can't say James Conner on a terrible offense like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is not the Cardinals offense. You're, you're you can't say they're banking on. You're just banking on volume. Both of these guys. Sure, but Najee Harris's volume is much more guaranteed, in my opinion. But that's just that's neither here nor there. That is the bust. Um, so Michael, your original bust was Najee Harris, but you pivoted to a different bust. Actually, you got three guys here. So tell us all about it. Yeah, my uh my new high level bust here is just the round two quarterback, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, or um Jalen Hurts. If you are drafting a round two quarterback, you are doing yourself a disservice. We spoke about this a lot on several of the pods this year. Last year, we were very much in on an early quarterback because early quarterback meant fifth, sixth round. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, they were going in the fifth round, and those were the first two quarterbacks off the board. This has just been a complete shift this year based off of one outlier season um, where the top three quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts, separated themselves so far from the rest of the pack which does not happen on a year-to-year -year basis. That is not a typical year. It was an outlier season. We have years and years and years of data that say the top quarterbacks don't typically end that much higher than the rest of the pack, and now everyone's just treating them as if they are, again, going to end that much higher than the rest of the pack. I think um, J Justin Herbert in the fifth, sixth round is a better bet. Um, Trevor Lawrence... Dak could be a top five quarterback. Tua was a top five quarterback when healthy last season. Daniel Jones has the rushing ability. Like all of these guys can be very good fantasy quarterbacks. And you could draft a Garrett Wilson, a Chris Olave in round two rather than um rather than a quarterback. And then you have to spend the fifth, sixth, seventh round pick on a starting wide receiver instead. So my high level bust is around two quarterback because you were just putting yourself at a, a disservice from the jump by using that high of a draft capital on a historically not um, volatile position. Do you know what's and not volatile in terms of like overall finish, but volatile in terms of repeating as one of the top players? Uh, the the odds of repeating as a top QB in fantasy are slim. There's not many people who do it. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the only current examples of people who do it. So, you know, I think that in the second round, don't get these guys. I think that's the, but I'm not going to lie. Some of these guys that get to the end of the third round and my eyes light up a little bit. Like I already have two guys that are established. Like let's say I have like Stefan Diggs and CD lamb or something like that. 
Like I, if Jalen Hurts falls there, it's I mean, end to the, think about end of the third round is pick say like say thirty four, pick ten of the third round. That's very different than say pick twenty, which is mid second. Like Sixteen. I've seen I've seen uh, Pat Mahomes go as high as like two ten. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, two two o two. Yeah, two o three. A lot of people try to pair him with Kelsey too. Like if the fifth team takes Kelsey, it's the fifteen takes Mahomes on the way back. It's just, just don't do it. All right. Well, my high level bust is this is a high level bust. It's Jonathan Taylor. Um, I'm gonna tell you my spiel, even though Jonathan Taylor's gonna miss the first four games, or why you shouldn't draft him even then. Um, there's just too many question marks surrounding this guy. Um, is his ankle a problem? From what it looks like, it might be a problem because if no team in the league wants to acquire this dude, then it gives you an idea of what his health might might be like here. Um, but even when he was healthy, was he really that good? He was RB1 overall in 2021, but he posted 21.9 PPR points per game. That's the lowest RB1 average since 2008. And last year, he was the RB1 in ADP and really, really busted big time. Taylor suited up for only 11 games, missed six games, averaged just 13.3 PPR points per game. That's RB17. That's his lowest in his three-year career. Taylor was also 68th in points per opportunity, exclude, uh, points per opportunity, 58th in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, 37th in yards per touch, 40th in yards created per touch, and did little to do anything in the passing game, finishing 33rd in yards per reception and 33rd in yards per route run with an A dot of negative 1.73 yards. So it shows you that his receptions are not because they're designing, you know, out routes for him and, and wheel routes and, and things like that. They're not lining him up in the slot. It's because he's the last option and he's getting swing passes. Um, right now, I think like even before this, I think people were passing on a guy like Joe Mixon to get a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And it just is crazy to me um, that, that those people are doing that. I think that, Joe Mixon is Jonathan Taylor, except with pass catching prowess. You know, like Jonathan Taylor hasn't really done anything to separate himself um, besides that one really, really, really good year. Um, and even when he did that, it wasn't the standout year that like a Christian McCaffrey um, ha- or Alvin Kamara had when they were RB1. So my high level bus is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, a lot more obvious now that he's going to be. So now that he's. Here's a question for you, Michael. Now that he's suspended for the, I mean, uh, injured for the first four games at least, he's not going to be traded. He's going to be on this team. Where is the earliest you would take him in a draft? Maybe the seventh, eighth round. His ADP is not going to matter at all. It's going to be one of those situations where when you have the ADP list and you're like, if you're drafting online, it's just going to be like people are going to have to like scroll up, like, because people forgot Jonathan Taylor's up there. In the ADP, they're going to have to scroll up and be like, oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's there. Yeah, a recommendation if you do end up drafting someone like Jonathan Taylor um, in like the sixth or seventh round, if he falls and you take that gamble, get someone like Jamal Williams later on who you could start the first three weeks without um, Dalvin Alvin Cook. Kamara. Dalvin Cook, who you could start while Brees Hall gets ramped up. But like if you have those guys starting and Jonathan Taylor, you know, comes back later or he doesn't come back, you at least have the first three weeks to see what's going on with the NFL um, waiver wire moves and things of that sort as well. Michael, is this your low level sleeper here? Let's what's find that? out. Michael, let's go into the, we're skipping, on, sorry, we're skipping mid level. Right, let's go to the mid level. Excuse me. So there's that. Those are the high level sl- uh, sleepers and busts. Now we're going to the mid levels guys. You can get in the middle round. So Michael, who's your mid level sleeper? 
Yeah, my mid-level sleeper as Tim was just uh was just trying to uh you know get you guys to notice. Let's see who caught on. It's Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints. Look, Alvin Kamara suspension of just three games. Um obviously not ideal, but again, just three games. Most NFL running backs will miss three games throughout a season. Now we just know it's gonna be the first three for Kamara, uh, barring an injury. With that being said, Alvin Kamara had his worst season to date in 2022. However, I think people are really overacting how bad he was. When you hear people talk about Alvin Kamara these days, you act like he, they, you hear as if he's like toast and he's not Alvin Kamara anymore. He had 898 rushing yards, which is the same as 2021 with 17 less carries, 57 receptions, which is on pace with 2021. Um, and he just happened to end with four single touchdowns last season, three of which came in the same game. Alvin Kamara is not going another season where he scores in just two games. With that being said, Alvin Kamara finished as the RB 13 overall. His worst game ever where everyone thinks he's now toast. RB 13 overall in points per game where he only scored four times on the season. And now the Saints get Derek Carr quarterback, which is a big upgrade from Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and company. I'm not scared about... um, Jamal Williams being brought in or Kendra Miller being drafted. Alvin Kamara was not a guy who's going to get 25 carries in between the tackles. Anyways, he only has two seasons of over 200 rush attempts. He's going to get, he's going to get some rushing work. Yes, but then he's going to get passing work as well. And Alvin Kamara is still Alvin Kamara. Even if he's not going to be the RB one overall, it doesn't matter because now he's being drafted around RB 30 overall. And you could get him in like the sixth, seventh, eighth round, even in some drafts. I'm all aboard the Alvin Kamara train at his current ADP. Another guy, if you draft him, draft a Jamal Williams, draft a, a Dalvin Cook type of play, or maybe a Samaje P. Ryan if uh, Javante Williams just gets eased back in early. Get those guys, and then you won't even have to miss out on too much while Alvin Kamara is away on suspension. So, yeah, Alvin Kamara is a mid-level sleeper because I just think it's absurd that he even fits into the mid-level sleeper like whatever it is, the the ability to be called a mid-level sleeper into that little box is just mind-boggling to me for someone like Alvin Kamara. It was crazy because his ADP didn't really move that much when he was suspended three games. He was he was going at the, like, yeah, around here. It didn't move at all. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I got I him know. in a best ball draft in like the sixth round. A great pick, <laughs> if I must say so myself. Yeah, I like it, Michael. I mean, he's going to obviously miss the first three games. And, you know, Jamal Williams is more of a threat to steal some work than others. So I get that, and Kendry Miller was drafted. So I get the doubts, but I don't get the doubts of the seventh, sixth, seventh, you know, I don't get that. You're right. You got to be all over that. All right. Matt's mid-level sleeper is next. It's a doozy. Uh, I like this one because I just happened to draft this guy um, on my on my home league team just just last weekend. So I hope everything Matt is about to say comes to fruition. Let's find out who he's got. <laughs> time for some of that mid-round magic these mid-round mid-level sleepers guys that are very much being overlooked probably drafted outside of the top 12 at their position that could definitely finish within that and you know in my opinion this guy could finish much higher and that is Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa Tua currently going off the board as QB 11 92 overall sometimes QB 12 depending on where you look he'll he'll switch spots with Dak Prescott as that that late round uh, QB there I absolutely am all in on this season as a high rising sleeper and I mean last season before the injuries took over 
Tua was playing phenomenally. He was QB in points per game overall to end the season at 18.4, so still finishes above his current ADP, and that is with a ton of concussions. And he was ranked QB5 in true throw value as well, still well above his current ADP. Right now, like I, I obviously understand that there is the inherent risk that you could lose to for an entire season if he suffers another concussion heck like that could end his career but i'm not going to evaluate that way and the dolphins certainly aren't evaluating that way Tua is certainly not operating as if that is going to happen right and before he suffered his first concussion mahomes was the only quarterback in the nfl averaging more yards per game than tua while tua led all quarterbacks in completion percentage yards per attempt and fantasy points per attempt up until that first concussion and i know i was giving him some love on the dolphins heat wave but i don't think i gave him enough because after returning from his first concussion he put up three consecutive top five positional finishes as the QB1, QB3, and QB4 overall. Obviously bouncing back from a second and potentially a third because the Dolphins' medical staff didn't give us the proper information was a feat much too large for any athlete. He returned in week 12, but managed zero QB1 finishes from that point onward. So there's the suppressed ADP. The risk is baked in. You're not, like, I am absolutely fine with taking that risk because I think that Tua in a healthy season can easily finish as a top five quarterback in points per game because somehow even in only 10 healthy games that kid managed to finish top 12 12th overall with 3,548 passing yards and 25 passing touchdowns that was eighth overall in 10 games 10 healthy games so in healthy games Tua was literally averaging 30 354.8 passing yards and two and a half passing touchdowns Like that's and still he finished first in yards per attempt, despite all the injuries, third in air yards per attempt because of that incredible vertical offense and the mastermind that is Mike McDaniel and the speed weapons that he has on the outside in Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Eighth in fantasy points per attempt did to a finish first in deep ball completion percentage last season, first in deep ball completion percentage after regressing after having three concussions seventh and pressure completion percentage despite being the fourth most pressured quarterback in the nfl second in red zone completion percentage as well third in qbr third in epa and again a true throw value of qb5 i'm so in on tua this season and this might be the first time that i'm willingly able to admit that he's one of my favorite quarterbacks at price he never used to be i was always kind of out on Tua. i'm absolutely all in this season everything points towards up and he's proven me wrong time and time again mid-level sleeper i hope that uh matt is correct on that one i'll tell you that i have Tua as my quarterback you know Tua. here's the thing he hits the big plays that's that's what it is and he's got the guys to do it, Jalen Waddle and and Tyreek Hill. So if he can stay on the field, I think there's a good chance that he's a a good pick at ADP because you're getting him, you know, QB eleven, QB ten, QB twelve, somewhere in the, in that range, and he's he could be a top six QB easily if everything goes right. I don't know about easily. Easily, that's a, a high bar. But either if, way, if um... he plays seventeen games with a healthy Tyreek Hill and a healthy Jalen Waddle, you don't think that he'll be a top six quarterback? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's not like it's not like that's an easy bar to surpass. You got the Herberts, the Lawrences outside of the main top three, the the Dak Prescotts. Even you, you never, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'd expect it. I would expect him to be top ten though. I think it's it all really comes down to his health, and that's where I get uh, 
slightly concerned because he could get hit one time hard and then we, you know, then he's out the season. So that's the issue. If you take to maybe take a Daniel Jones as well and Aaron Rodgers, uh, something like that. But yeah, I like the pick. Top five, top five, top five. All right. My mid-range sleeper is a guy that I believe in. It's a guy that I made sure to draft in every single mock draft that I had. I made sure to draft him in the home league draft I just had. And I make sure to draft him wherever I can because he's going at a stupid, silly price right now. And I think that it's just recency biased. My mid-range sleeper is Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Deontay Johnson. Now, look. If you just look at the film on Deontay Johnson, this guy is a route running machine. He is a absolute technician and he all he does is get open. In his second season, um, which is two years ago, he, he that was his breakout season. He finished wide receiver two in points per game. And then his real breakout season came the year before last in the 2021 season, where he finished with 169 targets for 107 yards, uh, uh, 1161 I'm sorry 107 receptions 1161 yards and eight touchdowns good for wide receiver seven last year was his worst statistical season since he came into the league and that's because he scored absolutely zero touchdowns despite having 147 targets now it's very important to note that he gave no sign of regression coming up to last season he his career was on a complete ascension. In his rookie season, he earned 92 targets, got 680 yards. In his 2020 season that I just went on, he got 144 targets, 88 catches, on nine, and 923 yards. And then the third year I just mentioned, last year he regressed a bit, but that regression was still on 147 uh, targets. He only had 882 yards, but his yards per reception was about average as his regular as his entire career uh it was 10.3 and his career average is 10.7 so it's not as if he, he was being used in a different way it's just that his quarterbacks really 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 sucked and it's not as the as if this guy can't score touchdowns in those seasons he has 20 touchdowns in three years five seven eight he had eight touchdowns in one season that's how you become rb i mean why is he for seven and you're picking this guy in the seventh round right now. And I think it's because of the quarterback situation. But everything in the preseason has pointed to Kenny Pickett making strides. There's a lot of good vibes around the Steelers right now. Last year, there was a grand total of 12 passing TDs on the Steelers. 12. Crazy. Only four of those passing TDs went to wide receivers. All four went to Pickens. Four of those went to Najee Harris and TJ Watt, the running backs. What? So, and then the rest was a tight end. Like, the wide receivers only got four touchdowns. No wonder he didn't score a touchdown. Last year was an absolute anomaly. Deontay Johnson is never going to be this cheap in your fantasy drafts ever again. And if Kenny Pickett even, even comes to mid-level quarterback, if he goes from seven touchdowns, which he had last year, to 22 touchdowns, there is no way Deontay Johnson is not the recipient of five to ten of those touchdowns. And when he is, his numbers will skyrocket because he's getting the targets. And, you know, Cass had a whole study about where do targets come from. For running backs, it comes from scheme. It comes from the quarterback. For wide receivers, it is very, very, very clear. If you earn targets, you are elite. 
and you will continue to earn targets wherever you go. A target earner earns targets by getting open. And Deontay Johnson gets open with the best of them. So I think Deontay Johnson is an absolute steal in drafts right now. He is a must draft for me in every single draft. You do work. I am concerned about his health a little bit. He does have a history of missing one or two games per year, but I will take that. That's baked into his ADP as well in the seventh round. I think Deontay Johnson is the perfect mid-level sleeper this year. What say you, Mike? Um, Derek Watt is the offensive Watt Derek brother. Watt. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just not a. I've never been a huge Deontay Johnson guy. He's just been fed a, a crazy amount of volume throughout his career. Low A dot type of guy. Um, we saw him struggle last season not just i mean it's not like he only didn't find the end zone he didn't even reach a thousand yards like it's not like he had a tremendous season by any means and sure kenny pickett may make a may take some strides but i'm just i'm not super interested in deontay johnson i think he's a fine pick at adp but like he's not someone i'm targeting michael i gotta i I just gotta just gotta put this out there for a quick second because you said that um, you know, low ADP, low A dot type guy. Michael, he was sixth in targets, 147. Now he's always been a low A dot type type guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Wes Welker was a low A dot type guy. Like you know, Anquan Bolden was a low A cut. Like he had 25.7 percent of targets. Don't disrespect Anquan Bolden. That's elite. That's elite numbers. His true target value was 40th. He finished 29th in fantasy points. So it gives you an idea of like he well outplayed his true target value because he's that nice. I think he's a technician. He's a guy who I think is is extremely underrated and he's going to be going in the fourth, third, fourth round next year. That's that's my prediction. Um, all right. Uh, we got everyone's mid-level sleepers. Are we, did we get yours yet, Michael? Yep. Yes, we did. Yes, yes. So let's get into these. Let's turn it down. Let's get into these mid-level busts. Michael, why don't you start us off on this one? Sure. Uh, my mid-level bust is running back J.K. JK Dobbins. Look, nothing against nothing against J.K. Dobbins as a player. Um, everything against J.K. Dobbins' ceiling as a fantasy asset. J.K. Dobbins had a nice rookie season in 2020. He caught 18 passes that year for 120 receiving yards. Missed 2021, as we know, returned in last season. Um was limited, only played in eight games, caught seven balls for 42 receiving yards. That is 1,000% my issue with J.K. Dobbins. We are talking about a running back here who is super, super touchdown dependent. <clears throat> he played in, uh, he played in what was it, eight games um, last season in the regular season. He ended as the number 45 running back in one of them because he didn't score a touchdown. He ended as a number 57 running back in one of them, the number 40 running back, the number 28 running back. He had the same amount of running uh, games outside the top 24 as he had inside the top 24. The games where he was inside the top 24, it's because why? Because he scored a touchdown. It was literally all touchdown dependent. Even a game, even the game uh, against Cleveland week 15, 128 rushing yards, he was the RB 19 because that's what he had. 128 rushing yards, one catch for zero yards. Players like this um, in this day and age where a lot of people play PPR, half PPR, we ha- we're talking about a, a Baltimore Ravens team with Lamar Jackson, who is basically a goal line back. We're talking about a guy who has to deal with it's like as if like when you're a goal line back, you want to be the guy at the goal line. That's not how it works with Baltimore. It's not how it works with Philadelphia, with uh, 
with Josh Allen, with Daniel Jones. Like there is no goal line back because you share that work with the quarterback. So J.K. Dobbins not only doesn't catch passes, he's also not the goal line back because he has to share that role with Lamar Jackson. So as much as I think J.K. Dobbins is a talented running back, I don't have anything against his talent level, his efficiency. He's been super efficient when on the field. Like he was impressive last year when on the field. There's no um, there's no denying that. 520 rushing yards on 92 rush attempts. He's averaged over 5.7 yards per carry each of those two years where he's been uh, active in the NFL. It's just all about the very, very limited ceiling that I see for J.K. Dobbins. I think his ceiling is right around like RB20. And look, RB20 could surpass his ADP in that regard. I just, there's so little upside for him being like an RB1, for example, that I just can't, I just can't really draft him um, as a, in, in the fifth round where his ADP is currently sitting at. Uh, I, I mean, I hear that. I hear that. J.K. Dobbins is, you know, it's also just. He's in a bad offense uh, for for what he does. You know, he's yeah. uh, he has no pass catching prowess. Lamar is going to going to take some of the work from him. He's team yes, dependent. Tim. Yes. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tim, repeat everything I said. Tim. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I am repeating it, but still, you know, it's just it's not it's not a good mix. It's not a good equation. All right. I'm going to get into my mid-level bus because I am passionate about my mid-level bus. I like passion. And that is DK Metcalf, wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. All right. So before we get into this, because usually you got to say why this person's bad, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say, look at all the things that went right for DK Metcalf last season. Last year, DK Metcalf dominated target share along with his um, compadre, Tyler Lockett. In fact, him and Tyler Lockett combined for 258 targets. That is over 50% of the targets in the entire team. Those targets are coming from Geno Smith. Geno Smith, who everyone was saying, oh my God, what are we no. going to do about Geno Smith? He was top 12 in true target value. I mean, true throw value. Excuse me. He was also 8th in pass attempts, 6th in completions, 2nd in completion percentage, something that's very, very, very important. Fourth with 30 pass passing TDs. Second in big plays. This is a guy who made plays, Geno Smith. The team overall was also ninth in scoring. In all aspects, an exceptional season for his QB. In fact, DK Metcalf, let's not let's not talk about his QB, let's talk about him. He was 10th in the entire NFL in catches. 11th in the entire NFL in targets. Excuse me. 8th in true target value based on the true throw value of Geno Smith. That was right up there. 2nd in red zone opportunities. I mean, he must have finished as a top half, top 6, top 12 wide receiver, right? Wrong. Despite all of that being in his favor, he still finishes wide receiver 22 in points per game. Despite being 8th in true throw value, he finished 52nd. In pass catching, in passing, cat in in catch percentage, even with the NFL's second most accurate quarterback, only eleven big plays on the season. That was thirty first. He was forty fourth in a dot, fifty ninth in points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns, and he only had six touchdowns. He was inefficient as hell last season. Most importantly, he has two guys around him that are monsters. Tyler Lockett is a way better fantasy option last season 
and he was injured, and he went like five rounds later. Last year, Lockett was better in Metcalf, better than Metcalf in yards per game, touchdowns, yards per catch, catching percentage, and fantasy points. Yet somehow, everyone assumes that it's Tyler Lockett's work that's going to be taken by JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba, by the way, their first-round wide receiver, and not DK Metcalf. Lockett is going two to three rounds behind Metcalf. Doesn't make any sense. JSN is a wrist injury, but shouldn't miss time. He's going to take some of the target share away from Metcalf and Lockett. The volume is the only thing that's carrying Metcalf right now, and he's about to see less of it. And you're drafting this guy in the third round as a wide receiver one or as a high-end wide receiver two, and it's just so out of the realm of possibilities for me for him to match his ADP this year. I think there's a, almost a guarantee. I'm not saying that he's going to be the worst player in the world, but I think there's almost a guarantee that he will not pay off at ADP. I think there's almost a 100% guarantee. So, uh, Michael, you're on camera. And uh, what do you think about my DK Metcalf? Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> Look, DK Metcalf, I'm with you. I think I've drafted him once. Wow, Michael agreeing with me. Look at that. I feel special. Uh, I think I've drafted him like once or twice. You should. <laughs> in best ball, um, haven't really considered him in redraft leagues. Everything you pointed out is true. Like adding JSN, adding Zach Charbonnet, even like they have Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet in the backfield. They have JSN now on Tyler Lockett. Like DK Metcalf, I I don't expect him to see as many targets as he did last year. And he was already like outside the top 20 in points per game. Um, I'm a little confused why he's being drafted as high as he is. I guess it's just because of like, the safety of it, but even then, like he's gonna have up and down performances. Um, he's someone that I just haven't really cared for much on my draft board either. I mean, this fair enough. Fair enough, my my boo. Fair enough. Um, M- my boo. My, my boo. boo. Yeah, my boo. Um, my oh my oh. Let's get into this uh, mid-level bust for our friend, our compatriot, and the Dynasty Don himself, Matt Ward. All right, the Dynasty Don is back, and this time it's for that mid-level bust, that mid-tier bust. I could have just said Najee Harris again because of how mid he actually is, but I'll go down south for another mid guy and that's Damian Pierce running back Houston Texans right now ADP of RB 18 that's 44th overall still going in the top 50 which not happening for me he's being drafted far too high for the risk of investment to pay off in my opinion although it's that like RB dead zone you could say so anybody can finish in the top whatever no Pierce managed just 30 receptions last season losing passing work to Rex Burkhead on several occasions and Pierce's dot of his own is a negative 0.28 yards every target of his was behind the line of scrimmage his lone RB1 games there were three of them as a rookie came between week four through week seven where he scored a touchdown in each contest he finished 56th in points per opportunity excluding touchdowns he has zero top 18 finishes without a touchdown he ranked 47th in yards per touch 23rds in yard created a breakaway run rate that was ranked 36 so runs over 10 yards he's a game script dependent run first bruiser with limited big playability and next to no receiving upside whatsoever his bruising in between the tackle style is definitely something that coaches adorn on the football field you've seen jamal williams you know obviously get some run in that kind of role but that's all pierce really is man he's not going to continue to be a high level starter in my opinion and that style really offers 
incredibly low efficiency and incredibly high volatility, which leaves managers to rely on, again, very positive game scripts and unsustainable volume to justify even having him in your starting lineup. Now you got Devin Singletary also joining the mix, who was certainly a lot more talented of a pass catcher and player in general than Rex Burkhead was, can certainly steal some work from Damian Pierce on multiple downs, and he enters the Texans roster after coming off what is his best statistical season to date with the Bills in 2022. And he's a complete back, a veteran presence. He could immediately render Pierce one of those low-volume, touchdown-dependent headaches for fantasy managers. For that reason, I think Pierce is going to finish even below his RB18, which is higher than his rookie finish. I don't think much linear progression is coming, and I think that Pierce is going to bust out and be a big disappointment at that cost for a lot of managers this season. With that said, I'm out. See you soon. All right. All right, so Matt, coming with the the hot sauce. But I think this is something that we've definitely, you know, talked about on the show that we all agree on. Damian Harris is a, a void. None of us will have any Damian Harris on any of our teams. Sounded a lot like the J.K. Dobbins as well. Like it just when you're someone who's that reliant on touchdowns, you you don't have that high of a ceiling. Um, and that's what I'm always trying to chase here is the the high ceiling guys. J.K. Dobbins in a worse offense, basically. Yeah, All right, with a like with a rookie quarterback and CJ Stroud, where rookie quarterbacks tend to have a true throw value in the bottom three quarterbacks in the league year over year, which does not help out the offense. Yeah, for sure. All right, Michael, you are the first for your low level sleeper. Tell us who you got. Yeah, I got a fun one for you. My low level sleeper. I'm reaching for the sky here with Sky Moore. Look, Sky Moore. I like this um, one a lot. Yeah, Sky Moore. Look, the Chiefs had to have the most, be the most mind-boggling team of all time last year. Fifty-two hundred yards and forty-one touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. Yet no receiver surpassed one thousand yards. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was on pace to pass that. Let's um, let's throw that in there. But look. Juju last year ended 78-9-33-3, and 35th in points per game. As I discussed in the uh, Patriots heat wave, he missed a game because of concussion, and there were two games where he came back um, and didn't play much. If you take out those two games, he jumps to 12.5 points per game, which would have been the wide receiver 30. He also had four wide receiver one games. So Juju wasn't great last year, but he was a wide receiver 30 on a per-game basis and four wide receiver one games. Um, is nothing to scoff at either. <clears throat> That's about a third of the games that he played. And now Sky Moore leads this group and is expected to be the guy to take over that Juju Smith-Schuster role. Last year, after Juju, MVS had just 680 receiving yards. Justin Watson at 315. Uh, Michael Hardman, who only played in half the games, led the wide receivers in touchdowns with four. Jarek McKinnon had the fourth most receiving yards in the team with 512 and a whopping nine receiving touchdowns. They're all uh, all those wide receivers. They're not going to be real threats. Like we know who MVS is. Justin Watson isn't on the team anymore. Michael Hardman isn't on the team anymore. The wide receiver group is Kadarius Tony, who has never done anything except have a couple good games with the New York Giants and get people just in love with him for whatever reason. He's always injured and he's never really had a huge impact on a football field. And then you have uh, Rashi Rice, who is a rookie. And you have Sky Moore and Richie James, a forever journeyman. So Sky Moore has been running with a 1, 5'10", speedy wide receiver. Um, 
drafted in the second round last year. Like the Chiefs like him. Juju was top 15 in true target value last year in that role. At his current ADP, you could get Sky Moore round 9, round 10, round 11, even if you're in a home league, maybe in round 12 plus. It makes zero sense to not draft him at that spot because of the upside that he brings. Um, so Sky Moore is my low-level sleeper because anybody who's has the opportunity to be a number one receiver in a Patrick Mahomes, that offense deserves attention. I love it. He could easily put up Juju stats. Yeah. Like, but if he but if he puts up Juju's exact exact stats, he's a he's has a successful season where he's going. Let's keep it right there. I'm gonna go to my low level sleeper because it's in the same team and it's in the backfield. Jarek McKinnon is my low level sleeper. And the reason is because I think he's being hated on because he's a little older. He's 31. Uh, but you should notice you should know that even though he's 31, he only has 883 touches in his entire career. That's two seasons of Derrick Henry. So yes, he's 31, <laughs> but you know, not really used that often. He's only two Derrick Henry's. Yeah, only two seasons of Derrick Henry. And <laughs> last year, he was an absolute machine out of the backfield, especially in the end of the season. End of the season, ninth in targets and ninth in receptions among all running backs, fourth in receiving yards. Uh, seventh in receiving yards per game, ninth in receiving yard in yards per reception. He had almost nine yards per reception. Shows you how good he was at making yards after contact. True target value was fourth. He had the most receiving touchdowns of any running back. And not only did he have the most receiving touchdowns of any running back, he had the highest points per opportunity, excluding touchdowns of any running back. His target percentage was the 10th most of any running back in the league. And if you give me the 10th most targets of any running back in the league any day, uh, Pat, Pat Mahomes as well. We just talked about Cass's study on where targets come from. And Pat Mahomes is, was 10th in the NFL in passes to the running backs, minimum 300 attempts last year. So Pat Mahomes, top 10 in the NFL in passing to the running back. I think the biggest misconception, over seven, I'm just, sorry, just under seven running back targets a game. So a lot of tar- targets to the running back game. The biggest misconception is that McKinnon is a third down or passing back, just, just on passing downs. That is not true. Um, he goes on the field way more than anyone like that. In fact, his catching ability is, is just kind of like a run for him in free space. He's kind of um, a, a West Coast running back, a satellite back. Um, but in a, but playing more snaps, he paid 47% of the snaps that year. That may not seem like a lot, but that's also not just a third down back and his weighted opportunity rating. So what he did with those opportunities was twice as high as the next guy, Isaiah Pacheco. He's 31, but like I said, only 883 touches. So don't worry. He does not have that. And he's going in the double digit rounds. This is a guy that you can get in the 10th round. If you, let's say you got a quarterback and a tight end in your first couple picks and your that flex spot is looking real suspect. Jarek McKinnon is the perfect guy to take super late, put him in your flex spot and trust that he's going to do something in a high powered offense. I think that uh, Jarek McKinnon is being slept on because of his age, because of his name, because of his role, but really his age is not as old as you think because he's not as worn. Um, his name is Jet McKinnon, put some respect on it. And his role is the main back for the Kansas City Chiefs, even if it's not a traditional main role. So I love myself some Jack McKinnon. Michael, you're on mute. Sorry. Yeah. He's being drafted outside the top 40 receivers for whatever reason. Running backs. Yeah, running backs for whatever reason. Like, this guy was 
a running back one through the second half of last year. Basically, um, he has the trust of Patrick Mahomes of the of the offense. Deneric Prince, who people were like, oh, he's going to be good, was just cut. Like, it's an Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon backfield. Nothing's changing. And they won the Super Bowl with that duo last year. And there, there is there is even room for Isaiah Pacheco to have an increased role and Jarek McKinnon to still be a fantasy beast. Because Pacheco's not going to catch the when you have a guy that this that's this prolific at passing catches, you're not all of a sudden going to switch that up. Yeah, no, I do not disagree by any means. Look at that, Tim. I agree with you again. It's it's impossible. The, the world's going to going to end tonight. Knock on wood. All right, let's go to imagine like it's so human of me to think that I have anything like I can do anything that would make that um, ha- more likely to happen. All right, Matt Ward's low level sleeper. Let's do it. It's your boy, the Dynasty Don, back for another one. I'm talking late round sleepers now, that low-level sleeper, that guy that is being vastly overlooked. You're taking him with maybe the second last pick your draft, the last pick your draft, but has a potential to finish top 12 at the position. And I know it's an easier gap to bridge at the tight end position, that top 12 tier, but I think Greg Dulcich just sees it ceiling in this season is even higher than that second year for Dulcich playing for the Broncos Sean Payton now in-house and I'm all in on Greg Dulcich as a you know if I avoid the tight end position that last round tight end that late tight end there have only ever been five rookie tight ends in NFL history to post a 70% route participation as a rookie and Greg Dulcich did so with an 84.1 percent participation ranking fifth while earning a 17.2 percent target share on a 10.6 yard average depth of target that's what's crazy it's like rookie tight ends don't even get utilized and yeah there was small game sample sizes he opened up the season injured gets injured again but he averaged 12.5 yards per reception when healthy 1.44 yards per route on the season 1.21 yards per team pass attempt historically incredible numbers for a rookie tight ends when you're looking down that analytical pipeline of historic performances that lead to linear progression in the second season Dulcich joins elite company when analyzing his per route analytics joining rookie buckets with high-end producing <coughs> names such as Vernon Davis and Kyle Pitts, but some low-end ceiling comps like Zach Miller, Eric Ebron, and Owen Daniels as well. But in fact, according to you know our our old pals at at PFF, there only four tight ends have secured at least sixteen percent target share with an A dot above ten yards in their first two seasons. That's Jimmy Graham, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and now Greg Dulcich. Although. Peyton's affinity for Adam Troutman has kind of been duly noted by beat reporters this offseason. He's a blocking specialist, and he might see high snap percentages he had in years with New Orleans, but he's a blocking specialist. He's has no upside as a pass catcher. And I think after four seasons in the NFL, we say that now the Dolph or the Broncos rather are without Tim Patrick, who got injured earlier in the off season. They're going to start the season with an injured Jerry Judy, potentially as those reports are coming out, he might not be ready for week one with a hamstring injury that leaves Greg Dulcich, rookie Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton battling the tight end for targets. So, battling for the team lead and targets rather. I really think that Greg Dulcich with all of the analytic upside, the athleticism, the open path to targets, his ability to run in the slot, his ability to be used on, on multiple downs because he's a great after the catch as well. I really think Sean Payton's going to fall in love with this kid earlier than later. And he's going to be somebody that rises into the top 10 
scorers this season at the tight end position. That is my low-level sleeper. Peace out. All right, Matt. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, I, I got to say, me and Michael had a back and forth about Greg Dulcich on the heat wave. Um, that was before Tim Patrick got hurt. Jerry Judy got hurt. Um, I like Greg Dulcich. I think he's a good pick. I think that he does have top six type potential, um, especially considering, like, I, I don't want to step all over what Matt said, especially considering Sean Payton's history tight ends. Albert O just got cut. I don't, I don't, I don't know why people think Adam Troutman is like a legit um, threat to Dolchich either. They've said that they're gonna like move him around the formation and such. I do think there's some upside there for sure. All right, Michael. That <clears throat> of course we gotta end on a sour note. So I'm gonna kick this one off because I want to. And I'm the host, so I can make that happen. Um, I'm the captain now. A lot of people might be mad at me for this one. That's all right. I'm not. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back down. All right. Um, There's a guy. He's being drafted high. I mean, he got drafted high in this year's draft. He's a rookie. And, you know, speaking of rookie, this guy's a wide receiver. And speaking of rookie wide receivers, Michael, did you know, do you know how many rookie wide receivers have been drafted and scored at least one fantasy point in their rookie season in the past 10 years? A lot. A lot is correct. Do you have a guess at the number? In the last 10 years, how many rookie wide receivers have scored at least one point is the question? At least one fantasy point. If you were wondering, seven of them scored negative fantasy points. Over the last 10 years, I'll say like 75. 475. So you were just just off by 400. Just a little bit off there by 400. Of those 475, Michael... Guess how many rookie wide receivers passed the threshold of what it took last year to be wide receiver 24 in PPR points per game, and that was 200 PPR points. I mean, A lot PPR less than 475. Yeah. I'll, I'll say like 19. 17. Much closer. And people are asking Quentin, Quentin Johnston to do this. And I say, nay, Quinton Johnson, stay away. Here's why. He didn't receive a high target share in college. I was just talking about how sticky target share was. Matt Ward talks about this in his articles. Go check them out on, on BrotoFantasy.com or the Fantasy Football by Broto app. He did not demand that his team throw the ball more. They were a run-first offense that did most of the running, especially in the touchdowns. Most of the touchdowns went to the running back. And when you look at college, it's like Matt says a lot in his uh, in his uh, sessions in his dynasty, Don, is if a player is NFL good and they're getting open on an NFL level, then the offense will change to get them the ball because they're open that much. And that is just not what happened with Quentin Johnston. Um, and he did that and he could not demand TCU get him the ball, but you want him to go demand the ball against Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and even Josh Palmer. And I think you're dreaming. I think people are absolutely dreaming. I think that Quincy Johnson is going to be way like not even a considered a fantasy viable asset until maybe week nine, week 10. And it's got to be with an injury. 
I don't think there's any chance Quentin Johnson gets on the field. He had drop issues in college, and he was having drop issues a little bit in the preseason. You don't think he gets on the field? A first-round wide receiver is not going to get on the field? I don't think that's unheard of. No, I, I think that, you know, when I say get on the field, I mean in, in any, like, sort of meaningful capacity. Like, if he plays 35% of the snaps or 50% of the snaps or whatever, like, fine, he's on the field, but in a meaningful way. Let me. He was one of the first that. three wide receivers taken. I think you're... Look, I understand calling him a bust uh, with Allen and Williams there, and you don't think he's going to pan out, but to think he's just not going to see the field or not be involved at all is a little crazy to me. I, I think that he's he I think that he finishes with less fantasy points than Josh Palmer this year. And I'm not saying I'm out on him forever. I mean, I'll take that bet if you're offering a bet. I'll offer a bet on that one. I'm not saying it's going to be forever. Write it down. Make sure you write that down because one of us is going to look stupid. I'm either going to look like a genius or I'm going to look like a freaking idiot. On that one, you know but, where my bet is. On that one. <laughs> yeah, well, you're betting against me, so yeah, I know. Uh, a reminder: Clay was talking about Mike Williams being his hat hanger. I agree. I love drafting Mike Williams this year and last year. Before last year, finished as wide receiver twelve and thirteen. He's not giving away his targets to Quinston Johnson. He's not, and people just assuming that it's going to happen are losing their minds. In my opinion, I think people are just forgetting how good Mike Williams is. And then they're forgetting how good Keenan Allen is. This just happens, you know, like people get injured and then people forget about them. And then here we are. And these guys are undervalued and people are saying, oh, things like Quinn's Johnson is going to be great this year to take Mike Williams job. Like, nah, man, he's not. So, yeah, low level bus, Quinn Johnson. If you say so. Michael, who's your low level bus? Uh, let's go to Matt first. Let's end it off with... Uh... With a live, with a live, live person. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to Matt here with his uh, low-level bust. All right, I got another one for you. Low-level bust, low-tier bust. I know these guys are kind of not really being drafted very high anyway, but these guys are still players that I'm completely avoiding and avoiding their ADPs in general. I'll just go. It's Anthony Richardson for me. That's my low-level bust. QB 14, so not being drafted as a QB. Certainly still being drafted as you're seeing him taken in the top 100 players or 101 overall. There's never been a quarterback in the history of NFL with Anthony Richardson's raw athletic upside. I'll concede it. He has a perfect relative athletic score of 10.00. It removes all hyperbole from my previous statement. It solidifies Anthony Richardson as the most athletic quarterback in NFL history since the combine has started. Unfortunately, his unlimited upside as a rusher is equaled by his extremely limited and unpolished ability as a passer. While at Florida, Richardson posted accuracy ratings of 50% and 59.4% and 53.8% across three seasons, with CPOE ratings below 50% in all three seasons and an air yard per attempt of 7.6, an average yards per attempt of 7.2. That quite literally makes him the most accurate and inefficient pure passer to ever be selected in the top five in an NFL draft. And rushing upside just isn't enough to propel a quarterback into top 12 scoring, like consistent top 12 scoring, I should say, because let's take Justin Fields, for example, who obviously, you know, took a while to get acclimated and Anthony Richardson will certainly take a while to get acclimated, but the Bears signal caller was already in his second season when he set the single game rushing record for a quarterback and finished the season with 1,143 yards, eight TDs on the ground, averaged a league leading 14.73 points per game, finishes a QB seven. QB 5 in points per game, and was 5.1 points per game behind Jalen Hurts. 
the passing production needed to bridge the gap between flash in the pan QB1 weeks and perennial top-rated fantasy quarterback is game-changing. There's very little to suggest that Anthony Richardson possesses those traits in year one, which is going to place him in more of an outlier tier than a risk-free asset. So he's going to need a long grace period. He's going to have QB1 weeks because of his legs. Is he going to have a QB1 season? I definitely do not think so. And whether they're taking him as their first QB after somebody else has grabbed a backup or taking them as a backup, it's a waste of a roster spot. Either go quarterback earlier or stream that position. Anthony Richardson is not somebody I'm targeting in any drafts. He's he's a low-level bust to me and potentially a real-life enemy. Ooh. NFL bust. I'll yeah, he got he got cut off right there when he was going to say the spiciest take of all. But yeah, I agree. I think taking Anthony Richardson is just like not good math. Is there a chance that he really hits this year? I think there is. I think there's there's a you know I'd put it at like twenty percent, even fifteen, maybe fifteen percent that he really like becomes Cam Newton. Uh, but of all the guys that have had success their rookie years, like that run, like Cam Newton and and uh, and Robert Griffin, they were just way more prolific in college than Anthony Richardson was. So, you know, I'm not I'm not drafting any Anthony Richardson unless it's in a dynasty startup. Yeah, I haven't really been starting uh, drafting Anthony Richardson either. So, all right, um, Michael, you wanted to end it live? Do it live, kid. Yeah, let's end it live. This one's going to be a uh, pretty short and sweet because I think it's a. Uh, a very obvious fade, and that's uh, Damian Harris. Look, Damian Harris has played in four NFL seasons. He surpassed 700 receiving yards one time. He surpassed three touchdowns in a season one time. Otherwise, he has just been a plotter on a team that you can't really trust. He has a career-high 18 receptions, so he's not going to catch passes. And sure, he's going to get some early down work for the Buffalo Bills in a high-potent offense but we're also talking about a team with Josh Allen. So when you get to the goal line, like I was just saying about J.K. Dobbins, he's not a goal line back. He's a half goal line back because he has to split that work with Josh Allen. So we are talking about a half goal line back with zero pass catching ability and much less um, skill than someone like J.K. JK Dobbins. He's currently going RB 40 to 50, depending what platform you're looking at. Like if you're in that range, like, Dude, you could get guys like Jarek McKinnon. You get, you could get players who act like Tyler Algier, who actually have upside if something were to happen to Bijan Robinson. Like Damian Harris is expected to be the guy who gets work. Like you know, he's going to get probably ten touches a game, and still, I think there's a zero percent chance that he becomes fantasy uh, relevant on a weekly basis this year. I just have, I can't think of anyone else I'd rather not have on my team more than Damian Harris. Yeah, Damon Harris said he's one of the reasons why I'm so high in James Cook. Like someone's gonna have to run the ball there. There's one thing I can say in James in Damian Harris's favor is that they clearly needed a running back upgrade. They're in the same division as him. They played against him six times in the last three years, and they went out and they signed him. So I, I don't like that. It, that We're also talking about a, a running back room that has done has been very underwhelming in the Josh Allen era. Very on true. top of everything. That's it. Sleepers and Bus is done. Good luck in your drafts. Next time you hear us, it's going to be the new segment uh, for free. And the next time you hear the full episode, it will be on patreon.com slash Fantasy. So come join the fun. Uh, we'd love to see Please you there. Do. 
Uh, with that being said, we're going to bid you adieu. The end and, of an era. Kind you know, of I, I mean, we're still going to be doing this. But. I also, I'm not going to be on the week one episode. Like Tim said, I'm going to be in Vegas. So shout out to all of you who, uh, who listened to Proto during the off season, looked at our rankings during your drafts and all that good stuff. And good luck week one. And let's have a fun season. We love you for real. Peace. Later. Tuna casserole. Chicken casserole. Tuna. <laughs>